back to the Optimized Pharmacy Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about maximizing returns on your current patients and turning pennies into dollars. Uh, so a fun conversation about making your patients more valuable, which so often is forgot about with pharmacists and pharmacy owners, because everyone only yeah. wants to talk about new patients. Very few want to talk about getting them to come back more frequently and spending money on, on other products and things. So we're gonna get into that today and talk about some of the most cost-effective ways that you can grow your front end and just ultimately make your patients more valuable to your pharmacy. So as always, I'm joined with Logan Morse. Uh, if you're listening to our podcast, um, Logan is the pharmacist director of special projects, wears many, many hats at uh, Keystone Compounding Pharmacy in Michigan. Um, so. Today, we're going to be spending a lot of time talking to Logan because he's got a ton of experience with this. Um, we definitely have played a role in like the marketing and maybe some of the strategy, but Logan's done a ton of the execution. And so I think it'll be really valuable for everyone listening to hear his perspective on all these different subjects. So a lot yeah. of pressure on you. <laughs> well, you know, and the nice thing is that I've done this in, in multiple markets. And so, you know, in my old pharmacy, we had, a, you know, probably a population of a thousand. And now where I'm at now, we're in a population of, you know, hundreds of thousands. So the concepts and the framework behind a lot of this, you can really extrapolate no matter where you are. Um, and I think that's going to be really important uh, that you, that it's pretty much, you know, kind of safe to utilize any, in any market. So for sure. So with the different markets, let's kind of start back in the smaller market, right? Um, sure. And maybe it's the most, or not the most sexy answer or sophisticated, but talk a little bit about being in that small market and some of the, the super cheap, because you didn't have a big budget, right? Like you weren't able to just throw money out around on marketing. So what right. did you do to grow your front end, which obviously was uh, a more profitable side of your business than as a traditional retail pharmacy, just filling scripts for couple dollars of gross profit. So talk a little bit about like how you started. So really where I first started, you know, in that small market, it was about gaining trust. Um, and so first I really had to learn to communicate with every patient that came inside my pharmacy. And so I had to learn, you know, not only that patient, but their parents or their children or their grandchildren, um, because when they would come in, then I could have those conversations with them. Um, and it really just built a whole lot of trust uh, in between us. So that way, when we did have conversations about certain products, they just were automatically like, sure, here, take my money, you know, and, and not in a bad way because they were getting the, the health care that they deserved. But um, I didn't have to arm wrestle too many patients. Yeah. So how many years were you at the pharmacy before you felt like you built up that trust? Because I think one, maybe time is an aspect of it too, but I think something that is probably picked up by anyone who listens to the podcast is you're easy to talk to, you're easy to listen to, and you ask insightful questions. So talk about that perspective, because I think there's probably, correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of pharmacy owners that have foot traffic and maybe have been at a location for a decade plus, but probably didn't build up some of the relationships or the depth of relationships that you had um, which ultimately helped you jumpstart a lot of your, you know, cash-based services and supplements and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I'd say, you know, for some of the, like, I would classify them as golden patients. 
And the reason why I classify them as that is they're like the very easy to get along with. Like they're super nice to you day one, always picking up on, on are their medications on time or they're just in your store all the time. Um, and so you see them all the time. It's a lot easier, but I would say, you know, a year is more likely because you may only see some of those patients three or four times if they're getting 90 day supplies. So it makes it a little bit harder to build that bond. Um, so I, I would say that, that your mark is, is kind of ideal for most people. If you can, if you can really start to hammer out those relationships, then. Absolutely. Absolutely. So someone comes into the door, like comes to the pharmacy and they walk up to pick their script. Like, how are you starting these conversations to lead down a path where ultimately you could make a recommendation? Cause I think that's, again, a lot of the hesitation that pharmacists have around things like drug induced nutrient depletion, you know, consultation services, MTMs, what have you is like, how do you not sound salesy, right? Like how do you engage with a customer, ask them questions deeper than, you know, how's the weather today outside? You know what I mean? Some of those like basic, just corny questions. Like how did, how did you get someone to open up and start to talk about, you know, maybe the problems that they're dealing with and give yourself an opportunity to provide solutions. So my first step is, is really as soon as they walk into the door, uh, as soon as they're kind of within earshot, I try to say at least, hello, like, how are you doing? Um, because a lot of times in that time frame that they'll say, oh, like today's been a shitty day or, you know, you know, I didn't get any sleep last night because of X, Y, and Z. And then you can kind of start to peel the, the onion layers back and say, okay, well, why didn't you sleep? And they'll say, well, you know, Bertha was snoring all night or, uh, you know, my back hurts. And then you can start asking, well, why does your back hurt? Like where, where does it hurt? And then they can start to go into more detail. And so then you can say, well, you've got pain, you're not sleeping. Here's a couple of different options that may help you get better sleep. Um, and then you can, you can also correlate those different questions to, okay, if, if this product could help you go from, you know, a 10 out of 10, you're not getting any sleep to five out of 10, where you're getting a lot more sleep, you know, is that worth it to you? And a lot of times they'll be like, well, yeah, sweet. Can I get you anything else? And then they'll say no, kind of confirming that they're going to get that product. Yeah, absolutely. So when you were recommending supplements, cause I think, you know, supplements was a big part of how you kind of got started with some of the cash based stuff. Um, right. Could you talk a little bit about brands because correct me if I'm wrong, you also were able to kind of like play the card of like, Hey, if you don't have great experience, like if this doesn't work for you, like just bring it back. Correct. Yeah. So you have that guarantee, uh, a lot of times with the professional brands. Um, so we brought in a professional brand. They had a money back guarantee pretty much if the product didn't do what it said it was going to do. They had an adverse reaction. They could bring me back the bottle. I just need the lot numbers and expiration and I could give them their full, um, you know, what they paid for it fully refunded. And so that also made it really easy because there was no risk for them except for feeling better. And a lot of times that's all somebody needed to hear say, well, yeah, I'll give it a shot. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. So when a when a patient came in, let's say it's for sleep problems, for example, or that's kind of where the conversation led, you know, what were some of the things that you were doing to make sure that they were coming back on a monthly basis? Right. Cause you, there's a lot of work that goes into selling a supplement, but if it's a one-off sale and they don't come back month two or month three, or, you know, they go to another location and, and buy that same product, 
you did all this work, you got the sale and, you know, you helped the patient, but ultimately they're not coming back and continuing to, you know, utilize your business. So what were some of the hacks, strategies, what have you, that you utilized to make sure that people kept coming back and had a great experience with the product? So a lot of times what I would recommend doing is really provide them as much information as you can, because if you become that subject expert, they're not going to trust to go anywhere else. So you'll never have that issue. So I, for instance, if I was walking through the Krebs cycle with somebody, I would go out, grab my little PDF picture that I had and show them where vitamin B was super important for helping form ATP. So they built that energy. And so then they finally kind of understood why it worked. Um, and then they trusted me to be the, the, the sales portion of it because I explained that and why it worked and, and everything else that went into it. Um, the other thing that often worked is just kind of doing like bundles. So I would say, Hey, you know, you're going to be on this for a long time anyway. So why don't you just stock up and get, you know, two or three bottles, right? So then they had a good supply. Um, and I got a decent sale out of it. And then yeah. the other side, side of that is kind of doing like, you could do like subscription based models with it too, um, where they have to like cancel, you know, before so many days. Um, but that works a lot better when you have some of the technology behind it as well. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so at your pharmacy, how involved were you with like what front end products that you carried, you know, cause I think a lot of pharmacies front ends look different, right? Some are more kind of knickknacks. Some are a little bit more open. Some are just supplements. I've been in some cool pharmacies where it's like really well tailored, but it's all supplements. So like, how did, how would you classify your pharmacy, both the one that you used to work at and the one that you're at now, um, in terms of like what front end sections look like? So the front end where I was at, it was more knickknacks. It was kind of like a gifts and pharmacy type of, of store. Um, we had, you know, the very generic, uh, supplements and OTC products. And then we had the one professional line. Um, and then everything else was knickknacks And where I'm at now. It's almost exclusively supplements or, um, you know, other o over the counter products like uh, essential oils or things of that nature, more holistic, naturopathic style. Um, and I also think it brings in a whole new crowd um, because those patients who are coming into the pharmacy where I'm at now are also generally individuals who are willing to spend a little bit more money because it's kind of their expectation when they come in. Uh, whereas before it was, you know, obviously in a town of a thousand people, you're talking about a rural, you know, farmland uh, community that's generally a, a high Medicaid, you know, population. So spending $50 on supplements is a lot harder ask than where I'm at now. For sure. So you're telling me that there's not a ton of money to be made in like gift card or holiday cards and birthday cards. And those things just sit. And then it's just yeah. like, here's like a that. box full of cards. Who wants to take it home? And everyone's like, I have cards from two years ago that I still have. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. That's probably why cards not like probably pretty frequently. I'm not a card section kind of person, but I feel like they wouldn't have years on them very often. Like, I feel like it's new year, you know, happy new year, but it's not like it says 2022 or 2023 because they probably know they're not going to move a ton of those cards and they don't want to have a year assigned to it. Cause then it's dead inventory after that date. You know what I mean? Right. Oh, absolutely. So the devil's in the details there. There's a reason they don't have years. It's because yeah, that you, Anyways, so um, 
it, it, where I kind of was going with that a little bit is in terms of figuring out what to put at your pharmacy, you know, w comparing the two, how much do you enjoy, you know, kind of one only being like supplement focused and not having all this other like knickknack stuff. Um, but then also too, like at the pharmacy that you're at now, which I know you've only been there a couple months, but how did they make the transition and figure out what to stock, you know, between supplements and brands and wellness products. So I think that's the other challenge too, is deciding what brands to go with or what products to carry. I know a lot of pharmacies will try things like, you know, organic lotions or, you know, whatever. It's all in like the health and wellness space, but a lot of times they don't move, right? And those products sit on the shelves. They might not have right. a ton of brand authority or whatever. So like, can you talk a little bit about how you've seen pharmacies figure out what to stock so that they avoid dead inventory. So I kind of unpeel those questions because I think there's a couple in there, but kind of to start off with, I would say um, when you're looking at a small pharmacy versus a larger pharmacy, what was nice is if someone brought me their watch at a small pharmacy and asked me to fix it or replace their battery, like in a small knickknack pharmacy, like you do that kind of stuff. And then that builds like a connection because you can kind of see like, oh, this person's really big into XYZ watch or, you know, this is a really antique piece of, of, of material. Like I don't want to break it. And then they understand, you know, you value their, their property. Right. Um, whereas in a larger setting, you don't have necessarily the bonds within that because you're not doing a whole lot other than servicing, you know, what their problem is with supplements, if that makes sense. Uh, so I think there's a lot more personal connections when you have like knickknack kind of items, um, because you can also like bring that up like, Oh, Hey Susie, how do you like your frog clock that you got from me the other day? Like, or like, do your kids like the, the gnomes that you purchased from the store? Because there's always a, a kid that's like, Oh, I have no me at home. Uh, I, and I'm one of those people where my kids are like, where's our no me? Um, and that's where you get that stuff. And so you have those stories and connections with them you're not going to necessarily get those same connections when you're, you're strictly supplements, but on the flip side, right. When you're, when you're focused on supplements and organic products, you can be really good at it, right? Cause that's the only focus that you have in the store is when somebody comes in and they're looking for a, a hand soap that has, you know, no parabens or, or whatever the, the item that they're trying to avoid, you can be like, this is the one for you and you solve their problem right away. Uh, and that's a little bit more difficult to do in a, in a store that is less focused on that. Yeah, that makes sense. I think I remember listening to a podcast or something and it was um, Marcus Limonis from The Profit, which is a, a TV show. And he talked about kind of front end strategies to figure out what to carry. And one of the things that he talked about was just having a little piece of paper at the front register that says, Hey, mm. what do you wish that we carried that we don't? Or why do you come to our business? Like, what are you looking to buy? What problems are you looking to solve? Um, and I think that, you know, that could be a pretty insightful way to figure out what, what products to carry. And if you struggle with getting people to fill out a form, you know, we do this a lot for a variety of different reasons, but you can always send a automated text out to your patient base and say, Hey, it's so-and-so from the pharmacy. We're looking at revamping our front end products. Right. You know, mm -hmm. what do you wish that you could buy at our pharmacy that we don't carry, you know, and just ask a simple question like that and get a ton of feedback from your people that ultimately are 
supporting your business in your business all the time, you know, cause I'm sure that they could probably think of some extra tips that they might have to make when they come to the pharmacy and they're like, man, I wish I could just get everything all in one, one stop shop. Yeah. And that's, that's actually something that we attempted to do where I'm at now. We had a, a, a little checkbox sheet that we handed out to patients as they would come up to the register to check out. And a lot of times I wanted to utilize it as, Hey, it's going to be a few more minutes before your script's ready. Hey, by the way, will you fill us out and let us know what you do know and what you don't know about our pharmacy and some items that you'd like us to stock? Um, the problem was just getting the technicians and clerks on board to actually follow through with that. And so I think you probably need some sort of um, carrot to dangle in front of them so they actually follow through. But the forms that I did get were really insightful because I found out that most people didn't know about 70% of the services that we actually did. Yeah. Uh, I'm not surprised. I think pharmacies overarching are not as good as they think they ha are at marketing and articulating the services. And they just assume that patients understand what they offer, you know, um, right. or maybe they did one radio ad years ago. And it's like, well, we told people we do this. It's like, well, it's been a long time and there's, you know, been some new people that have come into your, believe it or not. So, um, yeah, I think the texting would be a great solution to get quick responses because it's just so easy and people can respond at any point in time versus like they have to respond when you're in your pharmacy and fill out a little form. But I think to your point, you could also have a carrot where it's like if you fill out this form, you get entered in for some like giveaway at the end of the month or giveaway at the end of the year. Right. Um, I just think if you're going to have a carrot, though, like important caveat would be make sure the carrot's actually desirable, you know. So a lot of right. people do like giveaways and stuff. It's like, no one wants that. <laughs> like, not even if it was free, does anyone want that? You know, so like, at least make it worthwhile, even if that means making the giveaway less frequent so that you can kind of build up the value. No, hundred percent. I think you can even utilize it a lot of times to even pull in new customer data, right? Cause you may be able to post it on, you know, Facebook and say, um, you know, Hey, fill out this form. Uh, get a, a chance to win X, Y, Z. You just need to put in your information and now you've Absolutely. just created, created new, new patients that you can market out to. Yeah. hundred percent. You can do like a Google form or something. It takes five minutes. Um, right. very easy to figure out. So that's kind of like the front end talking about over the counter stuff, cash based, you know, products and you know, what have you, but there's also other ways to make your patients more valuable and turn pennies into dollars. Um, and that's also on the prescription side of the business. Now, uh, for those, if you haven't listened to previous episodes, important note, Logan works at a compounding pharmacy. Um, so, you know, this still applies to non-compounding pharmacies, but just oh, caveat there, but, um, talk about some of the stuff that you guys used to do at, uh, your pharmacy to make sure that patients were adherent with compounds, right? Cause it's a little bit different than like, kind of just like syncing up people on their like statins and, you know, kind of 20 medications when they're doing compounds, right? That's a little bit different. So talk about what you guys did to make sure that your highly profitable compounds kept coming back, that they were well taken care of. Like, what did that process look like? Cause there's a lot of missed opportunity at pharmacies as well by letting someone get a fill five days late. 10 days late. And if you do that over the course of a year, you can miss out on, on months of refills. Yeah. Yeah. And so our process used to be physically calling the patients and that is so 
much of a of wasted time. I hate to say it that way, but you call, you get, you know, 12 rings in, then you get their voicemail. You have to leave a voicemail. Um, and a lot of times if you texted that same patient in that time, they would have responded in three seconds. Yeah. So yeah. How, how many times were you playing phone tag with people? Oh gosh. Like, <laughs> you're like, you call them voicemail. They call back. Someone's busy. They're like, Oh, I can't wait on hold any longer. They hang up. Then you call You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's just gotta be so frequent. Right. No, it absolutely is. I mean, it happens even, even today. Like there are still times where you're playing phone tag, you know, two or three times before you actually get accomplished your goal. And it's just, uh, I think it's such a waste of time. Yeah. Cause I'm one aspect is it's like the personal touch of talking to a patient, but like also if I'm the patient, I, I want quick and easy. And if it's like something that you could text me about, just text me. Like it saves me so much time to just respond to a quick text versus answering the phone call, pretending I don't want to talk to you, you know, about the weather and just what have you, you know what I mean? Like people yeah. are busy, people are stressed. Like, you know, there's, I can think of a ton of different examples of times where it's like, I don't want to talk to anyone on the phone, let alone like the pharmacy that, you know, you know, I'm sure you guys are super nice, but it's just not the conversation I want to have. Right. Yeah. I mean, half the time I feel like people don't even want to pick up the phone call from their parents. So why would they want to pick it up from me? Um, and so finding other sources of, of reaching out to them has been way more successful for us. Um, and I feel and like it, too, when you call them, I don't think many people want to like, like think of how many times you get, you'd get a phone call from like a pharmacy, a doctor or what have you. And it's just not a convenient time to answer the phone, not because like you're busy, but also like you're just surrounded by people that you don't want them to overhear you talking to a pharmacy yep. about your medications, you know? Right. Right. No, I would definitely agree. Nothing would be worse than, uh, you know, a patient you're calling them about a herpes or, or something like that, you know, medication. And now they've got to talk around all their peers and they're like, Oh, uh, never mind. <laughs> Yeah, like, I don't have that problem. Who you, wrong number, you know, like, yeah, right. deny, deny, deny. Um, so that's, that's what it used to look like. Tons and tons of phone calls. Um, yep. So before you kind of get into like new solution, can you also touch a little bit on how you actually found which patients like you really wanted to make sure you called? Yeah. So we really focused in on our high margin um, prescriptions because we found even though, you know, with MedSync and you're trying to improve your, your PDRs, um, and you're trying to avoid those, those DIR fees, our DIR fees didn't change no matter how hard we hit some of those lower margin, you know, making sure they're on their stands, making sure they're on their medica uh, diabetic medications or, um, you know, their metformin, um, it didn't change the end of the day margins. Uh, and we were still losing that money. So we've just decided we're, we're still going to do that, but we're going to mainly focus in on high margin prescriptions uh, that are filled consistently. Um, and that way we're actually maximizing that patient's value. Makes sense. So that was the report that you run to figure out which patients those are. Then you were calling them, obviously, probably starting from top to bottom in terms of most valuable patients. Uh, what does that look like now to communicate with those patients? Now it's a simple, I run the same report, um, which doesn't take me a whole lot of time because the report is self-generating. Um, and then all I do is I take that data, 
upload it into a, a, a texting platform and then I sent out a text and then it takes me two seconds to do that. And then I get all the responses back. And so I can have 50 or 60 replies back saying, yep, go ahead and fill that for me. And then I can just queue them up and then put it into my workflow for when it's time to work on. Cause a lot of them are compounds. Um, and so we do have like a 24 to 48 hour window of when we'll fill them. And so it gives us time to really manage our schedule that way too. For sure. So shameless plug texting software is Mize, which is, which is our platform, but uh, that's still beside the point texting platform ours or not. Um, which I don't think there's kind of other great examples other than ours, kind of why we built it. Anyways, uh, talk about how much time that saved from oh, the phone calls and how long it would take to go through those 50, 60 patients that you might be sending a text campaign out to versus sending the text out. Like how much time are you really saving? A lot. And by a lot, like probably half of a day with a technician on the phone because it's answer done, answer done, answer done. There's no phone tag. I'm not having to sit on the phone and, you know, some bless their heart, but some patients like to talk. I love to talk too, but I don't always want to hear about Fido, um, you know, licking their feet or, uh, a, that a cat, you know, was laying on top of their car. Love my patients to death. Not the stories that I want to sit there and listen to, um, because yeah. there's so many other things that patients are relying on me to do that I really need to be more focused on that. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. Probably it's, it's like good and bad because I feel like one of the, you know, quote unquote joys of pharmacy would probably be like those just insane stories that you guys hear from patients where yeah. it's like, why are you telling me this? Um, or like, not just why are you telling me this, but like, I don't know. Like, I feel like you go to a party, Logan, and you probably have like a hundred patient stories that you could just rattle off where it's like, one in a million type stories where it's like, I can't even believe that this is real, you know? Oh, yeah. um, so you, so you get less of those, but on the flip side, you also get some more time back and you'd be more efficient at the pharmacy and spend less time just smiling and dialing like a salesperson. Right. Right. And, and it is, it is weird to be salesy, but at the end of the day, right. You're running a business, um, in, in not making money is not going to keep your doors open. For sure. For sure. So, Texting, texting saved you a ton of time. Um, oh, so absolutely. Which, which is consistent. You know, you're not the first person that said that. That's why we ultimately built the platform. Um, one thing that we've heard consistently about, you know, our pharmacies that are using the texting with us is that, you know, when they send those texts out, like they get busy immediately because you get those instant responses. And so they've really noticed days where they send texts out and they get those reminders out and they get those responses versus the days where they forget to send their texts in the morning. Mm -hmm. And they're like, why are we slow today? You know, and it's like, oh, you know, we never sent our texts out. And then they right. text their patients, they get all these floods of, you know, of, uh, you know, refills that these patients want. And it's like, all right, cool. Like now we can optimize our time. Everyone's busy again. Uh, we're not just sitting around, you know, twiddling our fingers and just kind of waiting for phone calls or patients to walk in. So, you know, you get benefit to the efficiencies and just like maximizing your labor, you know, because with labor being what it is right now and cost being what they are, like you don't want to be wasting time and you can't exactly just like send people home. Like they need the hours, they're going to be there. So you want them to be doing something worthwhile. Right. Right. Now I would agree. And, and I think one of the nice things about Mize, and I know, I think I was actually on the phone with you one day 
when I was setting up my, my text messages and I accidentally clicked to send it right now. And then it was like, bing, bing, bing of all these answers. And I was like, oh no, I didn't want to do that right then. But you can set and you can schedule it. You know, you only want to send out so many at a time um, or you want to at a certain time on a certain day. So you can plan around it when you actually have the time to handle the volumes. Um, and that really leads to a lot better management of not only your scheduling, but you're avoiding all those dips in, like you mentioned, uh, you know, dead time. For sure. Yeah. At some point we'll have to figure out a way to do like a, I don't know, like a live demo or something in the podcast or just like, well, of course we could answer any questions for anyone that has them, but the campaigns for the textings, like you said, you can send them all at once or you can spread them out. You can send them in whatever quantity amount that you want, but, uh, the refill reminder tool that we're, that we're, you know, wrapping up is weird. Uh, a cool game. advancement. Oh, it's going to be a game stuff. changer. Yeah, for sure. Sorry for that one. So front end stuff, you can gain a lot of extra business, make your patients more valuable by getting them to buy more of the front end stuff. Kind of talked to, about some low hanging fruit there from a foot traffic standpoint. And we kind of talked about some automation stuff that you could do from texting, phone calls, you know, to make sure that you're getting those refills. Um, but I think another one that I'm excited to talk about is more so on like the digital marketing side, because that's where I feel like pharmacies miss the ball, maybe more than any other part of their business. Oh, it's like watching three-year-olds play wiffle or, uh, you know, T-ball and they're still swinging and they're missing. That's, that's pharmacy in a nutshell with marketing. We're just not good at it. Uh, you yeah. know, there are definitely exceptions to that case, but I feel like the majority of pharmacists who I talk to, they don't even understand what a drip sequence is. For sure. For sure. So with pharmacy marketing and just some like low hanging fruit that we talk about with pharmacies all the time and it's so overlooked is the email list. And I say it kind of with a grimace because sometimes I think the issue is you talk to someone about a service. It's like, Hey, your local SEO is really bad or your email marketing bad is bad or your website's super slow. And you, you get these natural responses from pharmacies that are like, well, we've done that before. You know what I mean? And they kind of say like, well, email marketing doesn't work for us. Or like Facebook ads don't work for us. And it's like, how, how can you say, that'd be like saying like the gym doesn't work for me. You know what I mean? It's like, well, what if you just like didn't pick up weights or like didn't exercise? Like do gyms not work or did you not work in the gym? Or you did not like figure out what you need to be doing inside the gym to make it effective and make it worthwhile, you know? Um, and so I bring up email kind of in that same light because it's like these pharmacies between, you know, all the vaccines that they did, all the shots that they do, all the patient information that they have, they have thousands of people on their email list, um, but they never get emailed. You know, like it's a, it's a free way, like pretty much outside of just like software costs to send and get a message in front of an audience. Email marketing drives billions in revenue, probably, I don't know, maybe a trillion, who knows, um, in revenue for brands in all different industries. And I can guarantee it moves tons of product for, for supplement companies as well. But pharmacies by and large just have like a constant contact or they have a MailChimp and they just have thousands of people sitting in there, but they, they never get sent anything. And if they do get sent anything, it's like an auto-generated email that they never looked at. And it's like, yep, we have an email marketing tool, but they like they put no time or attention into it, and it's just such wasted opportunity. Oh, I I, I definitely agree because even even in our own store we struggle with that, and I think a lot of the times it's there's that technology barrier where you only have one person that really knows how to utilize it, 
and no one else knows, and that person leaves or or it's uh, just like the high school kid that you're like, oh, you must know technology because you have a smartphone, you have an iPhone. <laughs> you know yep, what I mean? Like yep. that's the case with so many pharmacies where it's like their tech person is a high school kid that you know their front register is uh, you know high school kid. It's like, well, they do our social media. It's like you know, like they're going to leave you in a year or two and then you're going to replace them with another high schooler that like, yes, knows how to move around Google, but like marketing strategy, you shouldn't be deferring that to a child. Right. Because I think even within email marketing, you can prime your patients to whatever you want to, to move. Right. Um, so, I mean, even like flu shots is a great example. A couple months ahead, like uh, start sending them, Hey, in a couple of months, you know, it's going to be flu season. Here's what you should be looking for. And then a month before you can send another email and you can start to prime them for all those things. Um, you know, what other, you know, tools are you, are, are pharmacies really missing out on with email marketing? Yeah. So with, I mean, with email, you can, what do you mean by tools or, or ways that you can use email or what do you mean? Right. Other ways, like, you know, I don't think we've really played around with, with this too much, but, you know, selling services that way, you know, that's another really easy way to get free dollars out of, uh, out of a service. For sure. Yeah. I think that's a, email can be a great way to drive revenue, but it can also be a really good way to test, um, new services or products. Mm. So like if you have an email list of 2000 people and you think that you have this like amazing solution, coming down the pipeline that you're going to offer at your pharmacy. It's a new program, new service, a new product that you're going to carry, whatever. Like if you sent an email out and said, you know, how interested would you be in this? Or, uh, you know what I mean? Like the email could say a million different things, but what if you just use your email list to figure out if there is demand around a subject? And then if there is, then you could consider continuing to build it out or, you know, maybe looking at some outbound kind of marketing that you could do with ads, radio or print, you know, do it however you want. But what if like all it did was help you figure out what your patients actually wanted. And so if you send the email out, you take a look at open rates, you take around at clicks, you take a look at replies. And that was like your mini split test just to give you information. So I think one email could be leveraged in that way. But then to your point, I think with services and um, products, right, you, you can do a ton. So flu shots, flu clinics, vaccines, you know, you can send an email out that has a scheduler embedded in it um, that allows them to book appointments with you. You can make a product highlight about your product of the month, you know, everything. Um, I think people forget that, you know, emails are, yes, bombarded. Everyone's got an email that they probably get hundreds to a day. Right. Mm -hmm. But email moves the needle for a lot of brands. And if your email is good, it has a good subject, it's interesting, it's compelling, it's from, you know, a, a person that they recognize, everyone's got those emails, that's like, how am I on this list? But your patients know you, your patients trust you. And so when you send them an email, they're likely going to read it. And if it's a halfway decent email with a good service or a good product, a good solution, there's going to be interest. And so Again, you don't always want to have to take out your wallet and spend money to sell stuff. And so the reason email is so valuable, the reason we really like texting as well is because you have these lists and you're not reliant on the advertising cost of the day on Facebook. 
to reach your patients. You're not reliant on radio and making sure that it gets placed at the right time and that people listen to it on the right channel or your TV commercials or your print ads or your billboards. Like all that you have to take out your wallet and spend money, you know, and you're at someone else's mercy. When you build an email list, like that's yours. Leverage it, send as email as many emails as you want. And you have control. And so I think that's like another big piece of it as well. Is like you just have control. And with pharmacy, so much of your business is out of your control. Right. So yep. the few things that you do have control, utilize it, you know, like take advantage of it. So that would be like my big thing point. with email for sure. What uh what other you know strategies are there for for pharmacies to really leverage their their lists? Yeah. So I think outside of email, texting is a huge one for the same reasons that you can get refill reminders for texting just gets seen, you know, like texting currently is for the most part, just person to person, friend to friend, family to family member. You know, that's kind of how most people's inboxes look, but I can assure you that marketers are working their way in with email text, you know, with uh, SMS texting and SMS marketing. Like it's going to be more common for people to text you promotions and offers. I mean, there's artists right now that they're, they're selling merch through their text list. Like, you know, this is, this is out there. It might not be like overly mainstream. It's still kind of like a newer concept, but if you text your patients with a halfway decent offer, halfway decent solution, running a new program, I think you can talk a little bit about that. Like you'll get a ton of responses. The text costs pennies literally to send. And you can get people to book an appointment for a service that you could be selling for a couple hundred dollars for pennies because you have their their phone number. And that's, uh, and I kind of want to bring this back to episode one when we were talking about like how we kind of met together and it was through this channel of, we built out a campaign or I should say you built out the campaign. We texted it to my initial patients. I probably sent less than, I don't know, $50 on text messages to all these patients. And we kind of went outside of that range because in a town of a thousand people, there's only going to be so many individuals that are probably going to want to hear that message. But we turned that into thousands of dollars, uh, not only just on the service, but on the products that fell within that service. And so you can really have that two-step approach of, hey, uh, I'm the subject expert on weight loss. And here's all the supplements that you're going to need. And then they're going to continue to follow up with you. Uh, and so then you get those recurring sales. Um, I want to say that we were over 10 K in profits, uh, by the time I had ended up moving on, but in a town of a, a thousand people, that's pretty good in a, uh, what a couple months span that we ran that. If that a hundred percent, it's the same thing with SMS as it can be with email. Like, Yes, use it to promote. Obviously, you want to be conscious of how you send your text. So again, it's not text don't work. It's how you send the text matters right. too. Just like if you're in sales and your script sucks or you communicate really poorly, like it's not sales. It's just you're not good at it, right? Um, but the cool thing about the texting for you when we were doing like the weight loss program and stuff is we started with the texting. It was low-hanging fruit. It was patients that like, know, and trust you. You send them a text, they booked an appointment, they ended up spending money with you. And that was the fuel that that new cash was the fuel to you to say, okay, 
there's interest in this, there's demand in this. If I can sit down with a patient, I can probably get them to sign up and help them and better their life. I mean, you had some great results with that, but mm -hmm. it gave you the cash to then say, okay, now I want to reach some people. Let's start money, you know, spending some money on some Facebook ads and you had the cash to do so. So you can also just use your list to kind of jumpstart, raise some capital, if you will, right? So that you can afford, you know, some of these marketing um, options that are out there, right? So I think, again, it could be used just for that, just to, just to test for you, just to give you some initial demand so that you know this is worthwhile to put some money behind. Um, so I, I think that's an important point as well. Now, is there other ways then, would you say, uh, for other organic growth, right? So you're going to get that initial burst from the patients that you do know. How do you start reaching individuals kind of outside of your, your area? Yeah. So I think you can take a look at it in like two ways of like, what are some organic options that I can sprint and get some quick results? And then what are some organic options that are more of a marathon? So speaking in terms of the sprint category, because that's kind of like the email marketing and like the texting, that's like kind of quick results. Um, social media can still be that. Mm. It just depends on which platform you're on. And it's again, going to be dependent on how good you are. So I think I want to make like a whole podcast kind of on this, but I'm going to kind of hint a little bit on it because um, I noticed it today. So if you want to sprint platforms that are going to be easiest to grow or like first and foremost right now is the day of this recording is going to be TikTok. Um, I think there'll be other platforms as well that are decent. I think pharmacies can do well with Facebook. I think they could do with like do well with Facebook videos, Facebook lives, things like that. I think Instagram is kind of the hardest right now that I was kind of say to grow. Yeah, I, think I agree YouTube with that. Shorts, YouTube shorts could be interesting with like how to kind of educational based content. Cause that's a really big segment of YouTube is people go on to YouTube, like how to, so I think you can make a bunch of content around like how to properly clean your, you know, your foot. If you have X rash or, you know, whatever, you know, you could probably do some cool content as a pharmacist with some compounds, but TikTok would be the, you know, the biggest and best opportunity right now. Uh, but where I was going with that and kind of from the whole subject standpoint is I think pharmacies make the mistake of wanting to do social and the pharmacy owners don't take ownership in being the face of social. Mm. They want to, they want to pass it off to their staff. And I think that leads to two negatives. So the first negative is that the staff spreads it across the staff and there's no familiar face. There's no singular like face of the brand. And if you take a look a lot at, you know, brands, uh, whether it's products, services, personal brands, et cetera, like it's the person that you get connected with. It's not just like a group of people, right? So like, if I think of like first form, I think of like Andy Frisella, right? Like they've got a ton of people there, but like I've, got to know the person and then now I like the brand, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Gary Vaynerchuk and VaynerMedia, like it's Gary. So I, I, I think that making video content is hard and the idea that you're just gonna have a whole staff of people that are also good at it is wishful thinking. And so like right. find the person who's best at it to do it. But I would argue that it has to be the owner because the owner cares the most, is going to be there the most. And I think the danger is if your staff becomes the star, but what if the staff member decides to leave? Right. Oh, gosh. And takes that audience. You know what I mean? Because, like, that's who people are now connecting with. You know, it's like that's the face of, 
of the pharmacy, not the owner, the pharmacist, they spin off and they go open their own pharmacy and they have all the people that fell in love with them. So I think just kind of talking about TikTok as an aside, if you're going to make content, it's got to be you as the owner. And I see so many that try to deflect to their staffs because they don't want to do it and they don't think they can be good at it. And I think in some instances that can work and that can be okay, but the ones that are doing best are the owners. Oh, absolutely. And I think. And it's one when phase. It, it's when one, it, it's, you know what I mean? Right. And when it is the owner, you know, you can still incorporate other people into, to the bits to where, you know, they may just flash over to your face, but you need to be within that content or it needs to be primarily you versus having, um, you know, 365 days of dad jokes. Like it's not going to move yeah. the needle. No. And I know what you're talking about too. And I think the same thing is like, you're, you're, you're a pharmacy. People come to you because they're unwell and want to feel better. Like that is your unique place. Lean into that. You're not Dave Chappelle. You're not Joe Rogan. You're not, you know, name any comedian. Like just be that health resource because if right. you're just that and you're good at it and you can articulate, you can make tons of money. You can have tons of people learn about you. And, you know, you don't need cheesy off topic stuff to, to get awareness. I just, I, back on yeah i don't know what happened no you're good um we'll, we'll just kind of like edit and kind of clean it up um and kind of go from there so i'm just thinking of like how we could transition but i think we just have to pick up exactly where we were and we'll just have like a little cut um i'll just i'll just start going as if i didn't skip a beat so again if you're going to make content on these platforms like make content around what people are looking for you to make content around. Don't right. be anything other than what people are looking for out of your business. If you want to be a little funny, but make it still educational and about pharmacy and about health, do it. But, right. you know, don't start showing putting videos and have an indoor green at your pharmacy because you just think it's clever, think it's funny. Like lean into being the professional health resource. No, I would agree. It's like, if that's the case of what you you want to do, make it a, make it a personal channel. For sure. It, it, like, it's so hard. I mean, I could just beat people over the head with this concept. Like it's so hard to be known for many things. Like if you think of the people that are known in history, in today's world, it's like they're known for one or two things. So you don't need to be this, you know, juggle act of like a million different things that you want to showcase. It's like, just pick one and just go all right. in on that one thing. Right. The, what's the, what's the saying? Riches are uh, in the niches. Yeah. Rich, it, that's one. I mean, there's, there's so many others. Um, but yeah, it's, all, it's so true. It's so, so true. Awesome. Well, I think, I think this is really good for a lot of pharmacies. You know, I think we can really delve in deeper into the social media aspect. I think that's going to be a, a 
episode in itself. Um, We got a good person to come on for that one too. Oh yeah. I think so. I think a lot of people will like him. Um, Not only that, but what he's been able to, to accomplish with that is pretty respectable. Yeah. Yeah. We'll keep hinting until we, until we get him on the podcast. So, um, for all you that are listening, if this is your first episode, go back and watch other ones. This is episode three, but it will be three of many here soon. So if you want a little background, a little context about Logan and I and why we started the podcast, episode one is going to be a great one for that. Otherwise, would appreciate the likes, the comments, the dislikes, the reasons for the dislikes. Um, we're still obviously very early on in this process. We'd love your feedback and want to know how we can make the most use of your attention. Uh, ultimately that's what you're giving us. So we want to make the most of it. So anyways, thanks for listening and we'll see you on another episode here soon.